What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome back to the Lightweights Podcast. We are recording live here in Tempe, Arizona. Live and in color. Live and in color with John O'Callaghan of The Main. Trying to be. Nine full-length albums, 16 years as a band with the original lineup, countless tours, a growing fan base, playing the biggest shows of your career. It's insane. And I've been such a fan since day one. I remember getting the EP... On Smart Punk or yeah, Interpunk? Yeah, okay, Smart Punk, yeah. I remember when it came out, and I've just been rude. You guys have been so cool from when we first met, and I checked the emails of when I first started filming with you guys back in 2013. Yeah, when was the first? Stone Pony. Okay, yeah. On the Forever Halloween tour. Yeah. And you guys got into a little bus accident that day, <laughs> and I remember getting a call from your manager, Tim, who's Pat's older brother, and he said, hey, the guys got into an accident. And I'm like, crap, I hope they're okay. We're not going to do the interview. And he goes, goes we're going to be 30 minutes late. I'm like, great. And at that time, I was doing videos with other people. And it was so hard getting anybody to do the interview that we had set up. And you guys had all five members ready for me in the bus, like ready to go. That's, that's the experience we want to deliver. That's the 8123 <laughs> guarantee. <laughs> that's crazy. It was 2013. Yeah. That's wild. So, I don't even remember remember the bus accident. Was it bad? Someone someone got hurt on the bus. Oh, sheesh. <laughs> but hopefully they're okay now. I think they're fine. <laughs> they must be. So you guys have been a band for 16 years. You just released your new album, The Main. What would John now tell 19-year-old John when you guys first started this band 16 years ago? I mean, there's probably just um, a bunch of platitudes that I feel like the older I get, the more sort of like the adages that your parents tell you and that you hear just in the ether, they begin to, I guess, maybe crystallize a little bit more and like make more sense. They're less like abstract or just even humdrum. I think like just appreciating everything would be really important. I think I have such a... I can have such a, a narrow focus on the future that 
it's sometimes difficult to appreciate the now. I think having a kid definitely helped me maybe realize bigger picture, like in the importance of appreciation and gratitude. Um, I also think like it, it would have been really important to know the ability that you possess to say no, if that makes sense. Like, um, this is the first band I've ever been in. So it was like those first couple years, I'm trying to figure out how to write songs, but I'm also being told by all these people um, that I'm, I don't know how to write songs. And these other people are going to help facilitate that. And I feel like it, it, Hindsight is obviously 2020, so it'd be really difficult to uh, go back unless we had the DeLorean. But I think, yeah, it would it would have been nice to know um, sort of the power that you possess to be like, nah, I'm just going to try to do it my own way and, and forge my own path. But obviously can't go back. Super appreciative of everything and, and just, yeah, fortunate to still be doing it. Are you referring to when you would be writing with other people in the room from your labels? Yeah, so we when we started on Fearless, um, we put out a record, and that was our first full length. And then uh, we got signed to Warner Brothers, and there was this weird period of like, we appreciate your first record, and we appreciate all you know the the whatever around it, like the people coming to your shows and yada yada and. Uh, but here, here's how we do things. You know what I mean? And it was like, I, I think I just got turned off by the whole process of songwriting, especially with with other people, strangers that had no real, um, they had no finger on the pulse of what we were trying to do or what I was trying to say. So it, it definitely turned me off to the idea of collaboration. And it only, you know, I warmed back up to it only in the past like five years where I've been like, I've been wanting to write with other people and wanting to try to highlight their story. And I want to have people in the fold with us to help, you know, shape whatever it is I'm trying to say, maybe more eloquently or just in a different light. So I think the, yeah, the first couple years were definitely just growing pains and like figuring out what the hell we wanted to do and who we wanted to be. But it's all part of it. I mean, it's just growing up. I remember you guys posted on your Instagram, congrats on getting drop, and it was a cake. Yeah. Did you, at that time, did you think you were going to be able to escape that so you can write music how you wanted to? That whole period was just, uh, I think that was our like bratty phase where it was like, you don't know what's best for us. We know what's best for us. And I think that that was like, I think we all kind of came to terms with the idea that if we were going to fail and not be a band anymore, we might as well do it on our own terms and doing what we wanted to do as a band. Uh, fortunately, um, even if it was, it felt like a dip from our first record, I think that phase helped solidify a lot of people's uh, feelings towards us. And I think it helped solidify like the the pieces of their heart connected to our band and our music. Um, yeah, I, I think we were just ready to like, you know, we, we were fresh out of high school and it was like, ah, we'll go back to college, you know, if this doesn't work. So I think we were just ready 
either which way. Unfortunately, we didn't have to go to school. So that's great. Yeah, <laughs> <That> <laughs> it's was, always a plus. <laughs> that was such a time because you released two full albums and then you self released your third album, Pioneer. Do you remember what it was like the 24 hours the week before you released it? Were you guys nervous if it would work? Did you kind of have a gut feeling like this feels right? I think it just was a gut feeling that it felt right for us. And then again, I think it was just like, oh, the chips are going to fall whichever direction. I know I, it's, it's funny, like creating something and feeling so invested in it um, and having to be vulnerable enough to like weather the opinions of people you kind of just have to build armor. And I think that at that phase, we were so fortunate that we got off the deal that we had at Warner Brothers. I mean, to clarify, like we we had good experiences with everybody that we worked with at Warner Brothers. Um, but what happened was we signed with all these people that were sort of our team. And then six months later, these it started to dissolve and people started to get shifted in different companies within the company they started to get shifted even outside of the company people were quitting people were getting fired so it was like hey wait a second all the people that we made friends with and you know became allies with they're all like either leaving or they're not a part of this anymore so it it made it easier to be like well we don't have that emotional connection with this thing we have an emotional connection with our music and with the people that actually show up and care about it. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it's so cliche. It's like the classic big corporation, you know, juggernaut of a music corporation that like casts the little band that <laughs> isn't like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like very, uh, not even Daisy Jones. It's like just, I don't know cliche but we uh yeah we forged we forged ahead do you think that's a common situation for a lot of artists i think what people don't understand outside of the music industry is how many artists just exist as bands right like just artists in general um there's just so much music that exists and i think there's a it's definitely not like it was even 10 years ago in the industry. It's like people can just create music in their bedrooms and build audiences that dig what they do without ever leaving. Like you don't even have to tour anymore. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think a lot of people go through it. I know a lot of, I've worked with a lot of artists that become lost in the shuffle just by way of it not going viral or it not hitting the way that the label thought it should. So I definitely think that that's a, uh, that's rampant and it will always be as long as there's people that make money off of people that are creating anything. I think it's always going to exist, you know? Right. Was it a rocky road with the self-titled album at first? Not self-titled, sorry. Was it a rocky road for this self-released album at first as far as navigating how you guys are doing all this on your own because prior you had the help of a major major label yeah i think a lot of the credit goes to tim our manager and, and pat our drummer um i think just like everything else that we've pretty much done we just kind of like say that we know what we're doing and then if, even if you don't you like make it up and 
act like you've got a clue. Um, I know like with those self-released albums, there was still distribution deals. So like when CDs were still being sold, you still have to go through a company that presses them and gets them out. Um, but other than that, it was like, honestly, we just wanted to like really fortify that symbiotic relationship of like people buying tickets, people listening to your music and that be the end, you know, like that's, that's all we had to, to pay attention to because that was what was continuing our ability to make music. And it still is. And I think regardless of if we're ever on a label or not, it's like, we know enough now to, to know that like, if, because we tour as a band and that's like what, you know, the majority of our career is based around, we want to make sure that that's taken care of and nurtured and not messed with. Is that what you guys set out to do when you first started? Did you want to see all of America? Did you want to tour with your music? Or was that just a fun side job? I don't really, I don't think that anyone can honestly say that like, maybe besides Pat, because Pat, pretty much everybody else had been in local bands besides me. I was always just like in the crowd. I think those guys having been in bands prior, um, I think because of like the attention that we gained kind of quickly, I think the mindset shifted pretty early where it was like, hey, maybe we can actually do this a little more legit, a little more professionally, whatever that means. But I honestly, I remember going out on like the first tour and well, tour, very loose. Um, How many? This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe Guarantee. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game. But guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying. And with Arena Club Slab Packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. 
After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. People showed up to this. Nobody. Like, and honestly, I mean, we, we, we would grind every day on MySpace. And we would try to, like, talk to people one-on-one and try to be like, hey, we're coming... We weren't even coming into town. It was like, <laughs> hey, we, we have music. Like, do you want to listen to it? And when we got into, we, we toured in a Suburban, our very first tour. And when we got into the Suburban, the very first gas station stop, I remember vividly, um, we all got out and we went to the gas station. We filled up. We went inside and grabbed like snacks and we all got like ramen noodles and i remember i don't know who said it but it was like honestly dude i could do this every day for the rest of my life it was like that was the mentality it was like very carefree you know it was uh it was an amazing time and what's funny is like those early memories are now the most vivid in my mind just because so much has happened and um yeah it's like the struggle is always the most prominent in my brain because that was like it wasn't a struggle at the time. It was just like so new and so exciting and we were so adventurous and um, not jaded by anything, you know, and we were just green. So I think, uh, yeah, that early stuff was just, we were just ready. We, We had no vision. We had no like, okay, in two years is where I see us. It was just like, people are showing up or they're not. And like people are smoking crack at our show in West Virginia. And it was like, this is the first time I've ever seen crack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it was all, it was all awesome. It was all amazing. Even from the beginning, were you guys meeting everybody after your shows? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, cause it was, there was nobody at our shows. So it was easy. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming. <laughs> because you guys do something really cool. You stay after every show and you meet everybody. Yeah. I mean, at this point it's, we're trying to figure out how to, still do that and still make it personable and personal without just being like all right yeah you know shuffle through yeah you guys talked to everybody for a while (laughs) yeah i mean we you know it was hours hours and hours and now that i'm like 35 it's not that i don't want to meet everybody it's like i physically can't go without enough sleep because if i don't sleep i'll just i won't have a voice and then too much bad stuff happens after that but we're we're trying to figure out new ways to like still make it accessible because you know it, especially now it's like you know tickets shouldn't be four hundred dollars tickets shouldn't for any show you know like 
we just we want to figure out ways to make it accessible, make ourselves and to just, again, make it known how appreciative we are of the fact that people actually give a hoot, you know. Speaking of ticket sales, you guys did a free tour. Yeah. How would that happen? Again, like it goes from idea and like sort of a dream scenario to like, oh, yeah, we can definitely do this. And just like a lot of hot air at first. And then it's like, how do we pull as many strings as we can? How do we get favors? How do we return favors? Yada, yada. Um, It was... It was a weird thing for sure. We played like weird outdoor malls. We played honestly like anywhere that people would be like, yeah, we're into the idea. <laughs> so we, uh, it was definitely one thing that I've even wanted to replicate. It's just so hard when there's no money to be made for other people that you're like, well, we'll just play your backyard. It's like, well, what I have an HOA or, you know, <laughs> so. I just remember it being like, it's free. So if nobody shows up, that's going to be really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a ton of people showed up. Yeah, I know. It was good. Everyone knew that I was associated with you. So they'd text me and they'd say, I don't understand. Do I really just show up and walk <laughs> yeah, in? I think that was a problem too. People did like, not grasp people that. People didn't believe it. Yeah. It's like, what? I don't have to line up. I don't, I just show up. It's like, yeah. Okay. No one believed no it. No one believed it. The five of you guys being together all this time is so incredible because you hear over the years, somebody has to drop out, whatever. What do you think the secret, what do you think the key is to having everybody be into this thing that you've created for so long? Um, it's a, it's a good question. And I think you'd probably get a couple different variations of an answer from all five of us. Um, and honestly, if we had like some formulaic approach, I think then a lot of people would use it. I think first and foremost, we just like each other still. Um, I think when it comes to the band being able to continue, I think now, I think because we had, we've all been kind of just like flying by the seat. Um, I think we like cr- collectively agreed that like the vision was unified and we just continued on that path and we still you could probably get five different answers for like what is your goal for next year you know or 2025 or whatever but I think because we've seen that it's lasted for 16 years I think the collective vision is how do we just continue to make a career out of it and not you know fade into the abyss so I think we're just all on the same page. And like I said, we actually like each other and we like, we go to eat together. Like it's, it's, I was actually talking to uh, Jarrett from Bowling for Soup. He was asking the same thing because his band uh, is very similar in that regard. And he was saying that it, it is a funny thing when you go on tour with other groups that kind of just like go off on their own. Um, and then they look at you and you're, they're like, why are you going to like happy hour together? That's like weird. And you're like, wait, I thought you were the weird one. <laughs> like we like each other. So there's a lot of that. I think that is the secret that, that we possess is just that we enjoy each other's company. I think it's incredible because all of you guys do have your own lives and people are getting married. Some have kids, some are having kids on the way. 
And to see all of you guys grow, I feel like the fan base has, they've all evolved with you, which is really hard for a lot of people to do to navigate with their audience, to grow up with their audience. I just think that's really cool that you guys have been able to do this this whole time. It's a it's a bizarre thing too, especially um, having seen some of the same faces for 16 years, you know, and sort of like by proxy becoming part of their lives. Like, you know, every next time that you see that person, it's like something, you know, groundbreaking has happened in their lives as well, you know, because so much time passes and so much happens for everybody individually. It's been really amazing to be able to, to see like people bringing their kids to our shows that you remember seeing 16 years ago as teenagers or young 20s. You know, it's like, it's a... Yeah, it's it's a f- very odd feeling. It's it's definitely a a way of time stamping yourself. Like, damn, I'm definitely getting old for sure. Yeah, is that wild to see people bringing their kids to the show? Very wild. It's very wild to even have had my daughter out on the on the road and just she's now getting to the age too where it's like she's starting to dance and starting to really understand what's going on. Um So I'm really excited about, you know, her growing up and growing up to to be around music. That's my big thing now is like I want it's like we've accidentally stumbled upon this idea that like um, you can find something that you love and make it your your job. And I think that that's like the biggest like hack in the system, like to figure out how to deviate from the normal route and to like be able to 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 like yeah just like follow your I know it sounds like so corny I'm it sounds like a dad thing but like to follow your dream and to follow your your passion and to have that coexist with like the thing that can help you know pay for a roof over your head and stuff I I think that that's just like such a beautiful thing to to hopefully open her eyes to and to to make her feel like you know it, it's actually possible i think would be like the ultimate goal do you think she's gonna see you as like dad the rock star how's she gonna view you Dude, she's already it's already no dad no <laughs> i mean she's not even two yet and she's already telling me to stop <laughs> You know, I'm like dancing in the car. She's like, "Stop, Dad!" You're embarrassing like, me, Dad. Wow, I, she'll definitely know that I'm not cool <laughs> for sure. Have you ever had to overcorrect something where the audience navigated it in the direction that you didn't want to go? So, for example, I recently heard with Blink One Eighty Two, someone used photos of them pretending to be a boy band and they're all the small things video okay and they used it for press so people started thinking they were a boy band so that's why they said oh fuck it we can't joke like that anymore okay next album we're all black all serious so that's why take off your pants and jacket was a lot more serious tones okay was there anything in your guys history that you really wanted to try and like take back and switch it because you you're very known for having very cool eras like cool color palettes like, I mean, there, like being thir- 35 now and like looking back, I always relate it to like just it's a yearbook, right? Like I I thought that wearing my hair like that at 19 was cool. And I thought that what I was dressing like was dope. 
And now I can't look back and be like, you were an idiot. I mean, I can, because I was an idiot. But like, it's, we've been so fortunate to, at least sonically, like, we've tried to do so many different things. I mean, we've had, we have nine albums. It's like, that's too much music. But, no, <laughs> but we've taken a lot of swings. And I think that we've been so fortunate that even when they were misses, uh, people were at least open to hearing them you know uh, even if it was like and i think you take all of that information and you take all of that guidance that they're giving you and you try to you know you try to hone that and even correct it you know i can't think of like a specific thing but we've been you know like uh, on our first record um into your arms it was like the slow ballad and I think a lot of other bands and a lot of our peers um, would have just like doubled down, tripled down, like this is what we're playing last or this is what we're doing. And I think we always wanted to like try to keep people guessing. And for better or worse, you know, we, you know, we didn't play Into Your Arms for a long stretch, years and years. Not because we didn't like it, but because we didn't want to be identified as that one band with that one song. And I think we've done that, again, probably to a bit of our own detriment. Like, m- maybe we would be um, in a different spot had we just doubled down or tripled down. But I think it wouldn't have fulfilled us the way that what we're doing does. So we've been really fortunate that people have been receptive to it. Or at least, like, even just entertained us, you know, and been like, eh, that's nice, buddy. Like, yeah, good job. <laughs> but, yeah, we've been really really lucky in that regard what do you think was the biggest leap of success that took you guys to the next level i don't know that's hard to say um i i remember like the first time that we felt like um like holy cow we're like we got invited to something like way bigger than our band was the soundtrack of your summer tour which was good charlotte um, Boys Like Girls and a band called Metro Station and Metro Station had a, a huge song out at the time so it was like this convergence of like and Boys Like Girls had a couple big big songs out Good Charlotte obviously had massive records in the past um, but I remember that being our our first like big big opportunity that I felt like uh, it was more so like that like an opportunity it wasn't like we've made it it was like alright how do we like make the most of this tour? And that was like, I think the first Holy cow moment. How did you make the most of it? I think it was the same approach from MySpace. We just translated that to hanging around after shows. And that was like, it was the only way that we could actually make, you know, like we get off stage and then the rest of the bands play and then we would just go straight to the merch table and try to again. It was like kind of car salesman vibe, you know, like some, I mean, fortunately, like our music had started to pick up some steam on its own. So we definitely had like sprinkled people that were familiar with, with what we did. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it, it was like grassroots politicking. Hey, nice to meet you, you know, <laughs> but it was a, uh, 
that was just the biggest, those were the biggest shows. I mean, some of them, like, we played in New Jersey at a Six Flags, and I think they said there were like 12,000 people there. And some of those shows were like still the biggest shows we've ever played, or had at the time, for sure. I'm not saying those artists from that tour, but with the artists, a lot of people have egos. Do you think they got a little upset at you for doing that, kind of like raising the standard? There's definitely, yeah, it, I think generationally like there are just like sort of sometimes those unwritten rules like and we learned early like what those unwritten rules were like generally we wouldn't go out during another band set um that's just kind of like you're taking away from what somebody else is doing you know we're all and that's what's so funny about ego is like if you really think about it, like you're all literally doing the exact same thing, you know, and the ones that are feeling the most success were the ones that had to grind just like you did, uh, however many years prior. So it's always been, I mean, and we've always tried to like promote the idea of like, yeah, this is, you know, on our headliners, it's not like we have like the, the iron grip of like, Hey, you can't do, you know, it's just like, I don't know, be respectful and, and try to hustle. Like that's kind of it. So I think, I mean, we, I've definitely dealt with ego in the past and I've probably had an ego myself. Um, but it's, a uh, yeah, you're all trying to do the same thing, you know, and you're just happen to be at different stages in your careers. So what other bands did you guys really hit it off with? I mean, on that for, on that uh, soundtrack of your summer tour, Good Charlotte was like uh, the most open arms. Like we were sitting in the dressing room in Chicago at the first date, and we were just like, I don't know if we're gonna meet anybody, and <laughs> who you know, what, did you see anybody, and yada yada. And uh, Benji and Joel came straight into our dressing room. We're like, hey, so pumped to have you guys here, and it was just like, oh, okay, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's the same or whatever, you know. Um, and I think, you know, even their front of house guy at the time ended up becoming one of our best buddies who ended up working with us for years and years, Gary Farincheck. And it was like clear that uh, it I wasn't Gary. By, yeah. 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 It was clear that it wasn't by accident. Like when you surround yourself with good people, there's probably good in you, you know. And if you're a dickhead you probably have a bunch of dickheads surrounding you and it was just evident that like in order to stay 
you know, humble and in order to stay respectful and in order to stay uh, compassionate, you had to surround yourself with that, those energies. And I think that we learned a lot from Good Charlotte and they, they've always remained that way. And it's never been like any different than it was that first day that we met them. Um, there's so many other bands and it's, uh, it, when it, when it does happen like that, those are the people that remain that way in your life, whether you talk to them for six, seven years or you, you're able to pick right back up with them. Um, and it's a really bizarre kind of thing because everybody's obviously from different places. Um, but yeah, it's, it's when it does happen, it, it's, it's a really, it's a lifelong thing. You know, it's not just like, all right, we'll tour once and then we're done. You know, like the guys in 303, great examples. Um, yeah, it's just a, a lot of, when that happens, it is very, it's like a magical thing. You're close with 303? Yeah, yeah, very. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a lot and it does, yeah, it's just, uh, we're just fortunate to have good people. They do exist, you know, it's a really important reminder, especially, especially in the age that we live in, like not everything is doom and gloom when it comes to, to personalities. You know, I think there are plenty of good people out there. Speaking of good people, who do you share your music with to try and get a valuable opinion of? Just where you are on the song. Definitely friends. Um, I think it, it, you uh, like for me, it's like trying to find people um, that you you really like. I don't know. It it varies. Like I'll show my wife stuff, and if she, she's not into it, then that's very telling of like. You know, maybe it's, I, I just know her interests and I know her musical interests. I mean, her favorite band is uh, like Every Time I Die. So it, just the fact that we don't scream, I'm already losing points. But um, yeah, just like close friends, people, you know, the, the opinions that you really trust. And most importantly, people that aren't just going to say that's good. You know, people that are, are, are going to be genuinely critical of what you're doing and genuinely because they genuinely want to see you succeed and they genuinely want people to dig what you do so i think finding those people is the most important have you ever cursed on a song yeah for sure do you know which one everything i ask for oh yeah um, feel like shit. yeah we have a song called fucked up kids i actually right. say i i say fuck probably like 25 times on our new album on the last song why am I not? Why am I blinking? I was thinking I'm about. I'm all it on fucked up on you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um, so you have Ice Cave. Yeah. A fan favorite. You didn't have that on the regular album. We didn't. Was there a reason for that? Did you think that people would find be so receptive to it? That era, like that phase of our band, we, um, like on Pioneer, we had played. Uh, we had written and then played before we recorded My Heroine on a tour. Um, and we were just kind of like, I think that phase was just like, F everyone and F everything. Like, we're just going to do what we want to do. And I think Ice Cave was the same way. We wrote it on the road 
And that that record, for whatever reason, we just found inspiration on the road. And that's the only time we've actually really ever written music on the road. Um, Did you just, have a recording in the bus? We had a little, yeah, we had a little modest setup. It sounded like shit, but it was like, I think the point of what we were, like, I think what ended up, we, we ended up doing is like, we probably saw like Wilco or like, even like the Rolling Stones, like listened to them recall stories of like writing songs and like that used to be kind of the practice especially way back you know 60s 70s like people would write their material and then workshop it on the road so like you'd get an idea of where everybody's you know temperature was oh to the crowd for that song so we we heard that somebody, you know, it was Mick Jagger or whoever it is, like say that. And we're like, yeah, we should be like doing that too. And so we did it. And yeah, like Ice Cave, honestly, I would assume a lot of people probably don't even appreciate the recorded version as much as they, they would seeing something live, you know, just because it is, it's, it's a blues kind of standard song. It's got just like a, you know, a standard blues verse into a blues turn. And um, yeah, it was just, again, kind of that bratty phase of like, F it, man. If nobody likes it, that's their problem. <laughs> you know? Do you have a favorite song you like to play live? Um, it depends. Generally, like the where my creative head leans live is always the newest stuff just because it's the most fresh. But I mean, the songs that the most people collectively gravitate towards are always the most fun. You know, like Black Butterflies is always going to be awesome because that's just what people collectively came together and said, like, this is the one over pretty much every other one that we like the most, you know, even casuals or whatever. So were you shocked at that? Yeah. I mean, we definitely you definitely don't have an idea like some people say like I don't know like Paul McCartney would be like yeah I had a dream and I wrote this song and it was let it be and it's like fuck you like those people are the unicorns uh if I had the ability to write a hit song I would (laughs) you know so it's just whatever that version of of a collective group of people liking something is enough for us and it's like you can't we we have a song called Jenny off of Pioneer that I wrote about my mom and it's just kind of like a country ballad-esque song is that her name yeah that for whatever reason I we will never be able to understand it but for a brief couple years in time when we would visit Brazil they would just chant Jenny 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 they wanted to hear us play that song so it's a really like there's got to be some psychology that you can figure out like you could you know analyze and figure out why where and for what reason um but yeah it's like you don't you don't get to dictate who comes to your shows and you don't get to dictate what they like so you can either be like we were at certain phases and be like we don't care or you can be like oh yeah you want to hear it well we'll play it absolutely so it's that's where we are now it's like whatever you fucking want well we're down are you guys all pretty well versed with every song that if a crowd starts chanting it you can 
pull it off slightly? I mean, that's definitely where these guys get pissed at me, for sure. When you say, especially, yeah, we're going to do that especially one. Especially <laughs> Jared, because it's usually like uh, when there's a break and when it's just like an acoustic moment or like Jared's on the electric and just me singing. <laughs> like it just happened in Brazil when we were just there. We, we had not played Misery in a long time. And the whole crowd's going, misery, misery. <laughs> and I look at Jared, I'm like, yep, we're doing it. He's like, oh, fucking come on. So we, like, you have a general idea, right? Like muscle memory will definitely kick in. And I can't speak for a lot of it because I have the same thing when it comes to lyrics, but I have to look up a bunch of stuff at this point. Like there's just too many songs. So if you get nudged, and you look it around and it's like, oh yeah, it's C, G, D. Then it's like, all right, I think we can kind of get by. But we try to like, we try to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> you got into this band not knowing how to sing. Your first show, you performed with your back to the crowd. I did. At What do you see your skills at now, songwriting wise, music wise, singing wise? I mean, I I think, um, I think once I like realized that like my favorite singers aren't good singers, there's just a lot of character in their voices. I think that's when I realized that like I'm I shouldn't try to like I shouldn't try to be a Celine Dion because that doesn't translate. Like it's not it it, it wouldn't it would and I can't do it and I can't be Mick Jagger and I can't be. Paul Westerberg and I can't be Jeff Tweedy but I can try to be whatever it is that makes me unique and whatever makes my voice and my songwriting my approach to songwriting unique um so I think that that's like where I'm at now I I'm I, I'm confident that like we can play uh confidently in front of a wide variety of music fans. I'm not really, I don't get nervous like, oh, this doesn't really line up with who we think our demographic is. I think it's, here's a stage and now how can I bring the most out of that crowd, you know, in that moment? How, what's the, what are the devices? What? How am I going to make it and really make it unique to that specific instance and not try to, recite the same things over and over and over. I've never I've never really been a fan of that. And I've fallen into it because you get into a rhythm, especially on tour, where it's like if the set list is the same and like you know that you have 20 seconds in between this song and that song, you like you tend to start doing the same things. But I've been on so many tours with so many bands that say the literal exact same thing every night. And I don't know why. It just drives me up the wall. It's like... And, and it's that's their prerogative. It's just never been my thing. It's always been a turnoff for me. So I try to make everything as specific to that room or that you know venue as possible for sure. Do you get? Do you still get really pumped when you bring fans up on stage to have them sing songs with you? Oh, absolutely. I think. Uh, well, I can tell you exactly why I do it, and it was because when I was in eighth grade, I went to my first arena show. Um, I saw Green Day and Blink and Jimmy Eat World here at the basketball arena. And I had, I think that summer of seventh grade into eighth grade, I went to a sort of a summer camp where you stay kind of for a week or so with your buddies. 
And our camp counselor, his name was Dustin. And I remember going to that concert and like everything was so new and everything was so large. And like, here are these bands that I listen to and I buy all their records and like now I'm seeing it live and it's, you know, there's 15,000 people. And Green Day at one point asked if somebody wanted to come on stage and play guitar. And I, I know they still do it in some iteration, but uh, it ended up being my camp counselor, Dustin, out of all the people. And I just was like, the way it made me feel to watch him, I can only imagine what he was feeling like on stage and how incredible that feeling could have been that I just felt like I need to, if I ever get put in that scenario, which now I'm, I'm at, it's like, I want people to feel that same feeling that I felt for that other person, but I want them to feel it themselves. So I'll try to always do it. And it's always just a good, I think it's a good reminder that, um, we're just normal dudes. Like we're just normal guys that have a really abnormal job and it breaks that like, we're on stage and you're be, you know, on the other side of the barricade kind of barrier. So for me, it's just a, it's always fun because you always get something new again, like every night or every time I do that, it's different. And that's really satisfying to me. How do you vet the person? It, it varies. Um, like someone I saw, we posted a video with like, uh, clips from this past summer and somebody was like, you never bring girls up on stage. It's like, dude, I've, brought everybody up for like 10 years now for you know all shapes and sizes and colors and creeds and whatever it's like I think the the biggest thing for me is finding either the person that's the most outgoing or the person that you can see singing along that might have that governor in them that you you can tell I mean they're in the front so they want to be a part of the mix, but like maybe like showing them that they have it in them themselves and like, it's okay. Cause I'm totally that dude. Like when I'm not on stage, if you found me at a wedding, I'm not the one in the dance circle. Like, unless I'm like super drunk, I'm not singing karaoke. I'm not doing the dances. So like, it is again part of that armor that you build and you create and it's not like a stage persona it's just like i'm i can be more maybe that's more who i am to begin with than the the shy timid one but i guess to answer the question in a really long way um there is no like rhyme or reason it's just kind of like uh you come on that's so fun what's the craziest experience you've had being on the road I mean, there's been a lot of crazy for a lot of different reasons. Um, on that that tour that I was talking about with Good Charlotte, we had like a, a very large amount of money stolen from us uh, out of a safe in our hotel room. Do you know who it was? No, no idea. We never found out. Um, it was me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like broke all four of my teeth on some concrete and my wrist. Um, I don't know, just like we've had so many birthdays on tour. We've had so many things we've missed on tour, you know, friends' weddings or, um, you know, the birth of, of children and stuff. 
funerals even. Um, but I think like at this point, it's such a inherent part of our livelihood. Like, uh, now fortunately it's not as crazy, you know, and not to say we were ever really, really crazy, but like the craziest that it might get is just like a good long night and some laughs at this point. It's not like somebody's going to jail or like, so yeah. Do you guys still have a two year cycle for your albums roughly? It's kind of been that way. And what's interesting now is just us having kids is definitely going to shift that. It's, it's definitely going to shape the way that we roll things out and it's just going to be more about intention when we're away from our families um, and making sure that we're making the most of being away as possible, if that makes sense. Like, so that we can be home and give the most when we're at home. Um, but yeah, it, it's honestly like, I don't even know how many months we are into this record. Um, but I think for the first time, there isn't like a hard, we know exactly when we're going to tour or, you know, we, we know exactly when we're going to record. So I don't have like a, you have to write songs by this date right now, which is really nice. And it's a, it's a different thing than we've ever kind of experienced. As in new songs? Yeah. Oh, wow. The process for the next album that starts that quickly? You would usually, yeah. Like I would usually already kind of have flipped my brain into that writing mode. Are and you in dad mode right now? For sure. Yeah. Full on dad mode. It's a, uh, Yeah. Dad bod coming soon? Ah, <laughs> no bod. I don't know what's going on, dude. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that you guys started writing that quickly. Yeah, I mean before, <clears throat> before we, uh, we, before I had a daughter. Well, my wife had the daughter, but you know what I'm saying. You partook. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> um, before she came into our lives, it was like I was pretty much all work all the time. And now it's, it's definitely still a lot of work all the time, but now I'm balancing both sides of work. So working on being a good parent, working on raising a good person and working on still being in the main. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you guys already have ideas floating around about what the next era would be, what it would look like, artwork, color palette? No, I mean, a lot of, um, what ends up, how, how it ends up starting is just with an idea in my head of sonic direction. And then once I start showing those guys, some of my ideas, then we start to kind of create a bigger picture of what that looks and feels like and sounds like. So, um, it's still so early for me which is, it's terrifying and it's really nice, but what's really awesome is like people have been so supportive of the music so far and the tour is doing really well. So I think we have a little bit of a buffer, hopefully. Do you have a favorite era of the main, of John? And you can't pick this one. You can't pick now? No, we have to go in the time, um, the time machine. That's hard. I think I, I have a, f yeah, well, I think my favorite era, um, just from the band perspective would be Forever Halloween. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. The it was hair. Just, 
<laughs> not the hair. No, I actually saw a picture of me with that hair. I was like, what the hell were you doing? But uh, definitely not washing it. I know I wasn't doing that. Um, from a band perspective, it was just like the moment that I felt like um, we weren't playing band anymore. Like I felt like we were an actual band. Uh, a large part of it was the recording process in Nashville. Um where we did it all to tape and we did it live. The, Analog? Uh, yeah. Whoa. So the majority of the record is all live, uh, minus the overdubs and some harmonies that I sang afterwards. But like, I was singing with an SM7 just like pretty much the whole time. And we were all playing. And it was like, um, it was a really intimidating part of, of our band. Um, Brendan Benson, who plays in the Racket Tours and does his own solo stuff, uh, produced it. And it was just, uh, it w- didn't feel like make or break, but it felt like, um, all right, now it's time to like prove that you're a band. And that was kind of my, that had to have been, I mean, it, it was definitely like personally, I was really sad. Um, and I was like going through a lot of my own stuff, but like as a band, I, I've, I look back with such a fondness because I feel like that was when I, I could actually say like all right now they're a band and now they they can share the stage with with other bands and not feel that pressure not feel that intimidation so uh personally i would say maybe coming off of that record um and piggybacking into american candy would have been probably my personal um maybe my biggest like transformation or like the, the most growth other than now and other than um, like meeting my wife and, and having our kid, I would say uh, I got so much stuff um, just from, I, I heard so many things from people saying like, I hope you're okay after forever Halloween. And then, like, I really, I, I was like sad, but, I didn't think I was like that sad. Um, so like hearing it echoed that, that many times and like reading that many letters and like, um, just having to explain myself so many times, I wanted to kind of do the exact opposite. And hence the like stark, uh, difference between forever Halloween and American candy. Um, and I think it says a lot about what speaking, positivity into existence can do for you and do for your psyche um and i'm definitely not like a spiritual like whatever man like let's try these mushroom microdoses but like i think you can empower yourself a great deal by speaking gratitude into existence speaking you know positivity into existence and i think i did that with what I what I was singing about on American Candy and where I was just at personally. So I think personally that was probably my my favorite me era. Yeah. On the new album, The Main, was it hard for you to figure out when a song was actually done and ready for you to release it and for it not to be yours anymore? We had like s- such an amazing... Uh, sort of alignment of the stars that happened um when we were trying to figure out who was going to produce the record and colby wedgworth who had done pioneer american candy forever halloween um 
he had gone off since and had only done um, predominantly like Christian rock records or Christian pop records in, in Nashville, wildly successful. Um, but we've loved Colby since that first time we got in the room together in, in, in uh, Torneo, Texas for Pioneer. And we had wanted to do a record with him and it just never lined up. And at, since, uh, since Love a Little Lonely. And it just happened that he had like a break in the action and we didn't want to self-produce again. And having him be that sixth, again, that like critical voice, right? So like the, your toughest critic, but also because it's coming from a place of such uh, like love for our band, um, he was like the one that helped steer the ship and was like, I think you're sleeping on this idea. I think this idea sucks. I think, you know, and it, it has to get to that point because you can get so wrapped up in your own thing. And there is something to be said about intuition. And we definitely, there are songs that he probably liked a little bit less than everybody else did. But if we were so convicted, then we it had to be on there. Um, but he definitely helped dictate when the song was in its final form. So what's that writing room look like with amongst all five of you guys, plus him who's in the room chipping away at it. When we're actually like, uh, taking an idea and, and putting it down, it's, it, it, it varies. Cause I, I talked earlier about, um, being open to the idea of collaboration again. Um, so I wrote with, uh, Andrew Goldstein, who was in a band called the Friday Night Boys way, way back, who has, again, gone on to be wildly successful in his own right as a songwriter. Um, I saw him jogging the other day. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> And I, I like being the guy to say something like out of pocket. So I pulled up. So I'm like, Friday Night Boys. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he loved it. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so Andrew uh, had helped, again, just kind of like take that initial vague abstract thought um and turn those into concrete ideas um but when it comes to like actually laying it down it's very much everyone like looking towards the computer looking towards what we're doing um it's nice because it's not it, at least everybody has opinions about what's going on and there's not just one, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. I showed up late kind of guy or, Hey, I'm on my iPad or, Hey, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's very much an, an all hands on deck process. And that's really what makes the main sound. You for guys. sure. Yeah. And, and Colby, especially for those records, he's had such an integral played such an integral part in the sound I mean, we get so many compliments for the production on those records specifically that I don't even think he understands like what what power he wields as a producer, um, which I think is is yeah, it's it's played massively into what makes the main the main. Yeah. Final question. Ooh. What do you love most about being in the main? Um, I think. The answer is probably complex, but I think you can boil it down to, I love the idea of taking an idea 
and I love the process of idea to finish product to people singing back. And I think that that's just like something that it, it, it only exists in a handful of, of jobs. And this is a, yeah, this is one that, I mean, it's, I, I want it to last forever. You know, I want it, I want people to understand that those kind of feelings exist and, uh, yeah, just drop out of college. Just that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for peeling the curtain back. Thank you, dude. This is such a fun conversation. Go check out the Maine's new album. It's out now. Go see him on tour. Amazing show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. In your studio. Yeah. Thank you for having you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> cool. All right. Lightweights. Out. Cool. That was great. Sick. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.